Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, December 16th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Plenty happening in college sports, even as we were reporting today. As Kansas State beat writer Kellis Robinette and I were discussing the Wildcats, the school announced it was withdrawing from bowl consideration. So when you get to that part of the discussion, Kellis breaks down the reasons why it might happen, and then it happened. Kellis is a smart dude. We also cover the Wildcats' victory over Iowa State on Tuesday night. Amazing to think this was the same team that fell to Fort Hayes State last week. After a break, Mizzou beat writer Suwichi Tarada joins us to talk rankings and what it means to be in the top 25 for football recruiting. This is signing day, after all, and in men's basketball. The Tigers are coming off a terrific victory over Illinois on Saturday. So let's get started with Kellis Robinette on K-State. Okay, we're here with Kellis Robinette. Um, and Kellis, let me first of all say that uh, if you hear any sort of drilling or hammering or any sort of you know semi-construction noise in the background, we're having some work done at our house today. Notice I'm not participating in the work done in our house today, <laughs> but uh, but professionals are, and uh, um, and so I hope we're not uh, terribly disrupted. Today. Yeah, so, well, if, if you hear any banging or loud noises in my house, that is my kids wreaking havoc up there. <laughs> That's right. D- doing their own kind of restru- uh, construction <laughs> at your place. Exactly. Um, all right, Callis, we're just, um, you know, just a few hours removed from one of the more uh, remarkable outcomes of the, sh- of the short college basketball season so far with Kansas State going to Iowa State and winning at Hilton Coliseum and, and not only winning, but winning somewhat comfortably after the first couple of minutes, they were in control of this game. And I don't think anybody needs to be reminded. This was a Kansas state team that lost to Fort Hay state last week and has uh, since defeated Milwaukee and now uh, a big 12 road win up in Ames. It's been pretty impressive what we've seen from Bruce Weber's group and uh, the response to that Fort Hay state loss. Let's, let's kind of take it chronologically it, it kind of started with the players-only meeting, didn't it? It did. That, that happened pretty much exactly after uh, after that loss to Fort Hayes. Bruce Weber said he was uh, trying to figure out where everybody was to set up a practice the next day. He couldn't get a hold of, every, of anybody until eventually I think Mike McGurl or somebody texted and said, hey, hold on, Coach, we're in a meeting. We'll get back to you. So, yeah, they basically, you know, they realized that was uh, humiliating, unacceptable, uh, that they knew how bad of a loss it was, and they they talked about it. They figured out what they needed to do, and then, um, you know, I don't want to give all the credit in the world to players-only meeting because Bruce Weber, to his credit, did uh, make some very significant lineup changes uh, since then, and it, that's been, I think, the biggest factor of all. But the, the team has been dialed in since that loss. Uh, the coaching staff has made some good moves since then. And, you know, you don't want to get too too far ahead of yourselves here. It's only wins against Milwaukee and Iowa State, um, who only has one win this season. Uh, but still, I mean, it, you can see the improvement that they've had in the, in the last week. And it will be interesting uh, to see at the end of the year. It's, it's definitely possible at this point that people look back at that Fort Hayes loss as a uh, kind of a blessing in disguise. I mean, it's still too early to say exactly what happens from that, but so far, the dividends have been good. It got their attention, kind of like a wake-up call, and they've been playing like a different team. 
I thought it was really important to play well in the next game, and they did that and, and got the result with the one-point win over Milwaukee. But the other thing that that struck me was um, th- that you know, Iowa State presents a, you know, it's, it's always a tough place to win up at, at Ames, but it's not a, but Iowa State, as we know, just based on, as you said, based on the results, not, not having a great season. I kind of looked at this as a coin flip game, but they, I, I think they got confidence from, from beating, just beating an opponent after Fort Hayes State. I think they proved to themselves that they're not the team that was on the floor uh, against Fort Hayes. And, you know, if that was the case, then, you know, who who in the world was Kansas State going to beat going forward? Well, the next game out, they beat somebody, right? And it'd be the Division One program. I thought that was significant. And then to go up to Iowa State, uh, you know, to, to take a, a victory. Um, let me ask you this, Kellis. Who is Carlton Lingard? <laughs> That's I, 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 I promise you, I, I, did, uh, I did not. I thought I knew the K-State roster well. I did not know who Carlton Lingard was until I, I started, you know, he, until he made a three, basically. Right. And then I was like, oh, my gosh. What? And then he made another one. So tell us about Carlton Lingard and, and what, he, what he contributed to K-State's win last night. Right. Well, Carlton Lingard was the very last newcomer that Kansas State signed during uh, the, the 2020 recruiting cycle. Um, he was the fallback option. They thought they had Donovan Williams, who ended up at Oklahoma State. He briefly committed to the Wildcats, we all remember, and a day later flipped to Oklahoma State. So they missed out on him. They had to go find somebody else. Their fallback option was Lingard, who was a, a junior college uh, big man. He's from San Antonio. He was playing at Temple Junior College in Tech in Central Texas. And, um, you know, he showed some skills as a, uh, you know, like a stretch four kind of player, can step outside, hit some threes. Uh, the rub on him was just he was just incredibly skinny. Um, I don't remember exactly what his measurements were coming out of junior college, but I remember looking at him and thinking, my goodness, he can't, uh, you know, it seems like wind would probably knock him over. Be, I mean, he was like seven feet and 170 pounds, it's crazy or something like that. But now he's up to – He's the same height, and he's well over 200 pounds now since he's gotten to Kansas State, and he can still shoot. And we saw it last night um, when he did get in the game. Iowa State just looked at him and saw this seven-footer standing by the three-point line, didn't bother to guard him. He knocked down uh, knocked down a couple threes, ended up with ten points. And, um, I mean, he's still got a long ways to go. You can tell he's uh, not the fastest or quickest guy out there. But, shoot, if he can come in and uh, knock down threes with any kind of consistency, there's nobody going out to block that shot. So that'll help the Wildcats. It's um, no, that was, that was stunning to see. And I love the social media reaction to him when he, when he made the, when he was started to, to, to heat up a little bit, he entered the game with having scored four. He only played in two games, uh, had scored four previously and ended up with 10 against the Cyclones. So um, certainly uh, had an impact on the game. As did um, you know? Uh, I think I think uh, Davian Bradford is kind of living up to a little bit of the expectation. The guy is just—he's um, a weapon, right? I mean, this is a this is a guy that can be a significant contributor to the Wildcats. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, and maybe it just took him a few games to figure out the the way to play at the college level to get used to Bruce Weber's system. But now, I mean, he seems like he's figured it out now, mm-hmm. and. He looks. He seems. He already strikes me as the most offensively skilled big man post player um, that Kansas State has had 
at least since DJ Johnson, maybe even before that. Um, I, I mean, the only other like offensively skilled big I can remember is Dean Wade, but he wasn't a true post guy. Uh, Bradford, you throw the ball to him around the rim. I mean, he, he's going to finish. He's shooting 65.4% for the season. He's uh, automatic on lob dunks. He's good at layups. Um, I asked Dijuan Gordon about him last night, and he compared him to Yudoka Asabuki, Kansas. So they, that's how they feel with him. Just throw it up, throw it up inside. Good things happen. Um, and I actually looked it up. He he is ahead. He is shooting a better percentage right now than uh, Doak did as a freshman when he was at KU. So that that's very encouraging. And it's kind of funny to think about, much like um, thinking back to the football team when they had some COVID issues and had to throw out some players that they maybe didn't necessarily want to against Oklahoma in a football game this year. And they, they come out and, and win the game. Turns out some of the guys they put on the field were much better than they expected. I think that's what's uh, happening here with Bradford. They He was backing up Casey Iziagu, uh to start the season, but now he's out with a knee injury. They've had to go small, and that's really unlocked something here. It's an absolute perfect fit for not just the the freshman guards who are out there creating space, but it's a perfect fit for Bradford because he's got a lot of room inside, and they're getting the ball to him. And I think that's a big reason why they've won these last two games. Well, that's an interesting uh, comparison to Doak as a freshman. Doak, uh, in his final year, set the NCAA record for field goal percentage because all he did was dunk and and shoot at the shoot at the basket was around eighty percent. So, um, interesting stuff. All right, Kellis, let's switch it over to football. Today is National Signing Date, and we'll 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 talk about that in a moment. But I wanted to ask you first. Uh, last few weeks on on uh, on our podcast, we've talked about bowl possibilities for the Wildcats, and and those still exist. But there's another possibility as well, and that possibility is not participating in a bowl. We're seeing we're seeing some schools pull out of or basically ending their season. Right, Virginia, Boston College, Duke, to name a few. And um, and then, of course, bowls are disappearing as well. Um, SMU latest, I guess, to to end their season and not play in a bowl. And then again, uh, bowl games are uh, are kind of falling by the wayside. Is it adding up to Kansas State possibly not playing in a bowl game this year? Yeah, I think we have to start thinking about that as a real possibility. Um, last week I would have said, you know, probably 90% chance Kansas State goes ahead and plays. Even at the very start of this week, I'd have said, you know, 80, 85%. I'd say now it's down to probably a coin flip, maybe even favoring not playing. And it's not it's not that Kansas State doesn't want to play. It's not that uh, the the Big 12 Bowl games aren't going to be played necessarily. But I think uh, just, just a myriad of factors have kind of lined up to make this harder than uh, Chris Kleiman initially had hoped. They've had uh, they've had two guys announce that they're going to go pro and not participate in the bowl game, Bradley Moore and, and Wyatt Hubert. Um, they've had a couple players that got dinged up uh, against Texas in that game that they learned probably won't be ready to go in a bowl game. And then they've had some more players test positive for COVID, which sounds crazy because they've already had like 80 guys do that. Um, but some some new players have figured out a way to get exposed to it. So I, I think the numbers are just running awfully thin. Um, you know, to 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 the to a point where they can safely play, and just given that they they only won four games, there's not a whole lot on the line here for a bowl game. If, if they were to play in one, it would most likely be the first responder bowl uh, down at SMU, probably against uh, like Texas San Antonio or something like that. So if you look at that and think, well, you know, 
uh, do we go ahead and play play a game like this just for the experience for a few extra days of practice, um, or do we sit it out? Do we opt out and just let let everybody go enjoy Christmas? It's been a long year. Let's not uh, you know risk more injuries or anything like that. I, th- I think that's where they're at right now. They got to decide which way they want to go, and um, I, I think we'll that, that's a decision they're going to have to make in the next couple of days. There's definitely arguments on both sides. Yeah, and you're right about the timing. It does have to be made by the end of the week because the the bowl invitations go out on Sunday after the the, the college football playoff announcement, and usually the heck the, the the bowls are starting to make arrangements now. We've already seen some teams pop up in in bowl games, so. All right, uh, Kellis, it is National Signing Date, and um, it's uh, it's Chris Kleiman's uh, second class, so uh, or third class technically. You know, he gets the, the the one before he started his first season. So, um, how are things shaping up? What um, uh, what would be we we know the you know the, the trend of Kansas State is to do more with less. Um, that has been true historically for for the Wildcats, and uh, which. They, they outperform their recruiting ranking. Um, are they going to be in a position to do that this time? Well, that's certainly the hope. Um, they've got a very Kansas State-esque class here. One four-star player in uh, quarterback Jake Rubley. Everybody else, three stars. There's maybe one two-star guy in there. Um, but, yeah, they're ranked you know in the mid-50s nationally for the recruiting services. I think they're ranked seventh in the, in the Big 12 with the recruiting services. So pretty much what you've come to expect over the last couple of years. But there is some nice upside with with a lot of these guys. I, I find it interesting that they went out and found an uh, offensive lineman from North Dakota, which is uh, obviously Chris Kleiman's old stomping grounds. He looks like uh, he could be a pretty good player, Andrew uh, Langang. Uh, and then they've got – there's a lot of Kansas flavor in there too. We've got um, Austin Wiener from Gardner. Uh, we've got uh, Defonte Pritchard from Gardner. Get, get Gavin Hassel, Hasselhorst from Hayes. Um, a few other guys who will probably come along. Daryl Jones from Coffeeville. Um, it, 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 it just kind of screams, you know, a uh, – screams, screams at you like a vintage Kansas State class, and they've <laughs> obviously got some, some guys they still need to add. Yeah, uh, on traditional signing day, but obviously the the headliner is Jake Rubley. He's a four star guy. Had offers from LSU, some really big programs out there. Kansas State very very rarely lands players like that, so it, all eyes are going to be on him as soon as he gets to campus. How quickly can he compete with Will Howard and Skylar Skylar Thompson if he comes back at quarterback? That's what everybody's going to want to know. Yeah, that's and that's certainly a big topic for for the next time we chat. What what becomes of Skylar Thompson and other Wildcats who? Would be moving on, but have the ability to come back because of um, uh, because of the NCAA rule this year. And hey, let's let's end on this uh, note. Uh, there was some news. Uh, White Hubert has decided to to move on. What a what a really good season he had. I, he, whenever I watch Kansas State play, you always had to know where fifty six was. Um, uh, what a, you know, just an excellent player. And um, what are the what are the early thoughts on draft prospects for him? I mean, I think he's going to get picked. Um, it'll really come down to how his combine goes. If he can uh, prove to NFL players, I mean, to NFL scouts that he's uh, got, uh, you know, all the measurables you want and can put up a good 40 time and all that stuff, I think he could go in the middle rounds. Um, Kansas State, unfortunately, as we all know, was uh, had a very long draft streak ended this last season. They didn't have a single player drafted in the 2020 draft. I think that definitely ends in 2021. 
somebody's going to come out and pick Huber. It's just a question of where. I, I think he's uh, definitely a day three guy, maybe even a day two guy if things go well for him. Gotcha. Okay, there is a Kansas State signing day tracker on the wichitaeagle.com site and kansascity.com as well. So follow the news um, from, from Callis Robinette. Callis, great talking to you, and we will catch up to you again soon. All right, thanks, Blair. Looking forward to it. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. So Ichi Tirada covers Mizzou for the Star, and we just finished talking to Kellis Robinette, who covers Kansas State, about signing date. Um, Wildcats are having their typical toward the bottom of the Big 12 ranking. They out they, they typically outperform that that ranking. But Missouri looking strong in the in, in the rankings. I, I looked looked up rivals this morning before we started talking and Looks like the Tigers are a top twenty program right now when it comes to recruiting rankings. It's you know it's always a it's always good to be up in the rankings. So, what is the latest, Soichi? I, I know that uh, uh, the, the the commitments are coming fast and furious, or the signings are coming fast and furious today. <laughs> yeah, Blair, it's it's not quite as fast as some other schools. I think I read somewhere that uh, Ohio State had twenty of their twenty-one commitments or, or, or similar number like that signed by like nine a.m. or ten a.m. Eastern time. So it's not quite that fast. I believe Mizzou has announced around six or seven as we're recording this. They actually just picked up, uh, and things might change obviously, especially with it being signing day. But they just picked Colorado defensive end Arden Walker's commitment. So that's always a nice little thing, especially when when you can pick up a you know another prospect on signing day and everything. So, but yeah, Dr- Blair, as you mentioned, Drinkwitz has been doing a spectacular job on the recruiting trail. They they're currently twentieth on rivals, I believe. That they'll probably finish around a top twenty five program, and, and I think with with where you're at in Missouri and, you know, you're not going to be a top 10 perennial recruiting school, I think, just because of the way, you know, culture and facilities and just, you know, where you are location-wise geographically. But if, if you can be a top 25, top 20 program year in, year out, like like Drink has done to start off, I think you're looking great there. And look, it, you know, I, I've been covering recruiting for low these many decades. Um, and the, the, the idea that, you know, you can't tell, you, know, if, you won't be able to tell the the true strength of a recruiting class for several years is, is always true, but um, there is a perception. Uh, one thing I have learned over the years, there is absolutely a perception to be one this time of year and, and to be at a top 20 or top 25 program in recruiting that gets noticed. It gets talked about. Um, it's important. And so, so it is with the Tigers. And 
Um, and of course, if you're in the SEC to be in the top 20, top 25, it sounds great, right? But that probably makes you seventh, eighth, ninth in the SEC, um, you know, because Alabama will be up there, Georgia, LSU, Florida, the usual suspects will be in the top 10 to 15. But anyway, for Missouri in previous years has been down in the 30s and the 40s. If they can climb into the 20s this year, that's that bodes well for the Tigers. How, how many are they going to end up signing with this class? Yeah, I believe Drink was a set in the past. Uh, they're they're going to shoot for that twenty five. Um, going into signing day, they're essentially shooting for one or two more recruits to maybe flip, just like they did with uh, East St. Louis wide receiver Dominic Lovett. But they're they're looking to take the full allotment. If they don't hit that between now and the regular signing period in February, because that exists, uh, they could hit the transfer portal. So Mizzou does um small thing too, Blair, but kind of a significant thing. Mizzou does also get four scholarships back. From the NCAA after those infractions, yes, we're still talking about that however many years after the initial infraction and scandal and everything. So, But things are looking good, bright uh, for former Zoo uh, when it comes to numbers as well. I enjoyed his uh, Mary Flipmas tweet from, uh, <laughs> from from the weekend. It got everybody all excited. I hadn't heard that term, but I like that, uh, Flipmas. That's that's the season that we are, we are in. So... Um, all right, let's um, let's look at another ranking. Um, I'm switching sports, uh, switching polls, and scrolling down my AP top 25, 10, 12, 14, 16, 16. Look who's at number 16. <laughs> the Missouri Tigers are uh, are in the poll at number 16. I, I mean, listen, if, if they were ranked higher, I wouldn't have been surprised, but it's, it's good to see them included in the AP top 25, clearly deserving. I actually don't know of a program that has a, a better resume uh, so far this season than, than Mizzou. The, the Illinois game on Saturday, of course, is what got them in the polls. So uh, wins over, over Illinois and Oregon on the road at Wichita state among the, the better wins for the Tigers this year. Let's go back to Saturday night though. And, and, uh, and and Missouri's win over Illinois, I was I was so impressed, just just so impressed with the way the Tigers played. And uh, we, we've talked about it each week here, Soichi, that um, they they find different ways to win. Their depth is so improved. They're healthy. I think that's a, certainly an underrated aspect of this team. They're 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 at full full strength. What is it that you like about this Mizzou team? Yeah, Blair, and you mentioned it as well. You know what? I, I to start this off. I, I was just so impressed with with Drew Smith on, on Saturday and what he gave the Tigers. And, and it wasn't necessarily just the points, but this is production, his defense. You know, he he played thirty nine minutes, and I think that's just kind of indicative of what Conzo Martin truly believes in this in this player and calls him the two best two way player in the SEC and all of these things. But uh, but besides that, you know, it was just. It was the intensity of the game. You could see, I, I don't know how much you could see it on on TV, I guess, or feel it. But even within, you know, it was a very sparse crowd. Only friends and family were allowed. So it was kind of weird. Blair, uh, Bahe and I were talking, and, and we kind of thought maybe there were more Illinois fans in Mizzou Arena than Mizzou fans, or at least they were more vocal for parts of it. But I, I was just so impressed with, with the quality of play, the intensity of the game, and, and all of these different things. But at the end of the day, I, I really think you're seeing a team that that's finally putting it together, and and, and you you get 
how you know we we it, we keep hit we keep hitting the same theme just because it's it's so true in the sense that you have four guys who score in double figures and and maybe a Kobe Brown isn't somebody you expect to score in double figures every game or maybe a Javon Pickett isn't that except you know Pickett versus Illinois uh kind of its own little monster there um right, but but right. you, you look up and down that roster and it can go however many players deep and you know you, you have a guy like Torrance Watson fans are kind of wondering where he's at and it's just Maybe he's the one guy left out, but but you, you, you feel good about that just because of um where Mizzou is at and where, how they're defending and all these different things. So I think, you know, maybe 16 was actually a little lower than some fans were expecting. I think, uh, obviously, uh, not to throw him under the bus, but there are some polls, poll, pollsters like just our, our friend Jesse Neal, who does do it by Ken Palm, and I believe Mizzou is around 38. So there is still some work to do. Um, and it is still early. You know, Mizzou has only played five games. Um, you have the whole SEC schedule to look forward to, which is uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to a play. You got December 30th, number 10 Tennessee versus number 16 Mizzou to start things off, and that's looking like a great game. So you, uh, I think you, you're just feeling just mighty impressed with this with these Tigers, and, and you, you can finally see Conzo Martin's vision coming together, which I think is uh, I think the coolest thing just because of all the injuries and, and everything he's had to deal with. Um, and, and it's a very cool thing to see, kind of things unfold for, for a fourth-year coach like that, trying to make a statement. You know, you mentioned Torrance Watson, and I, I think he's a good example of uh, of something that I've long believed, especially with college basketball, but true in sports, but especially in college basketball, and that is um, when, when you have players who have contributed more earlier in their career than they are currently in their career, and they're you know, they, they didn't fall off talent-wise. It's just that the talent around them got better or healthier, and that's a good sign for a program. I, I listen. I can remember um, oh, one of one of Scott Drew's early teams at Baylor. You know, had an all-conference level guard as a freshman, and by the time he was a senior, he wasn't even starting because the the talent around him had gotten so much better. So th- that's what happens in college basketball. It's it's not a knock on the kid or or his progress. It's just that the Tigers are just playing uh, at such a level right now that, um, that, that they can get by with him averaging, what, about five minutes a game instead of the 20, 23 minutes he played as a freshman. So it's it's actually a good sign for Missouri. And if he can keep a good attitude about it, then I think he'll be rewarded down down the road. Uh, what, what does Mizzou have coming up in hoops uh, before Tennessee? They got a couple games, don't they? Yeah, so it's Prairie, Prairie View A&M, a sub-300 Ken Palm team, uh, on Friday at 7 p.m. Then they got Bradley, who is a little bit spicy. Uh, they've won, I believe, back-to-back Mountain West Conference Championships. Uh, they gave uh, my alma mater, MSU, kind of a scare in the first round a couple of years ago in the NCAA tournament. So that's not necessarily a team you can kind of look over or pass over. And then you have kind of a break, which is nice over Christmas. And then that'll be the SEC opener on December 30th. So things are happening quick. I know big 12 plays already on their way and it's uh, kind of a weird thing to see in December. Yeah, it is. And I'm, I, I think it's great that they're going to play Tennessee out of the box in SEC play. So uh, a lot to look forward to there. Hey, let, let's finish it up. Suichi talking uh, football, the Tigers finished the regular season on Saturday at Mississippi State, um, I can't remember when this game was originally scheduled uh, and how many times it moved, but here it is, uh, playing on December 19th on a day when all the conferences are playing their championship games. There's several regular season games to, to be played, and Mizzou, Mississippi State is one of them. 
I don't know if if bowl uh, positioning is on the line for Missouri. Uh, I think they've their 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 credentials are pretty well established at this point. It'd be nice to end the regular season on a victory, but. What, what do we know about Mizzou's bowl possibilities? And I, I, I did hear earlier this week that Eli Drinkwitz really uh, enthusiastic about playing in the postseason. Yeah, exactly, Blair. And, and you're seeing, I believe right now, um, I'm seeing our boss, Jeff Rosen's tweet, it seems K-State is withdrawing from bowl consideration because of COVID. So yeah. you never know talk- with these kind of things. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you, you never know with these kind of things, but but yeah, Mizzou looks like it's going bowling. Uh, as you mentioned, this game was rescheduled from December fifth uh, to December nineteenth. Now um, I, I I'm surprised I still remember that, but yeah, I, I think all the projections are kind of, are kind of looking at maybe the Outback Bowl or or a similar level bowl. Um, I think that that would be pretty impressive. And and you know what, Blair? I think the thing that's kind of impressed me the most with this Mizzou team is that when when they were ranked last week, and I know you know number twenty five, and I know there were critics. I think the fact that you had, you know, the however, the top four teams, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and Texas A&M, you had kind of a gap below that talent-wise probably. But the fact that you had Mizzou as kind of that fifth SEC team and you couldn't really debate that, I, I thought spoke dividends. And, of course, you can't debate that, you know, this is the SEC. But just the fact that you look at that and you're kind of like, oh, Mizzou, fifth team in the SEC? And sure, maybe that doesn't mean as much in a pandemic year. But the fact that Eli Drinkwitz has done that in his first season, I think – speaks speaks a lot and they'll be rewarded just like Drink was said in the in those bowl projections um i'm really hoping for a mizzou versus northwestern just because of the day school connection i know what happened in 2008 alamo bowl <laughs> top 25 matchup over time such or such or such yeah that was 12 years ago you know i was 11 years old at the time there were a whole generation of sports and just normal journalists who who want this matchup so i think maybe the old heads can can kind of embrace that a little bit uh and not be my Twitter mentions pointing that game out. But that's, that's what I'm hoping for. I think it'd be fun. Um, but yeah, I, I really think a bowl game is just a cool thing to end a note on. And, you know, if Mizzou wins Blair on Saturday against Mississippi State, and, and I believe they should against a pretty bad Bulldogs team, um, you're, you're finishing 6-4 and four regular season. Regardless of what happens in your bowl game, you're, you're finishing with a winning record. And I think, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, when you look at everything – from 2020 and the pandemic, I think that would be a pretty cool thing. Then be able to say, hey, look, we, we had a first-year head coach in Eli Drinkwitz, and we still, you know, Mizzou still ended up with a winning record. And, and I, I really think players, and uh, obviously they're going to play hard, but I think that's just another thing, you know, another feather in their cap. Yeah, and, and would give Mizzou a lot of momentum going into the off season uh, and into next season with your freshman quarterback and – uh, and talent returning, so I'm. I'll tell you what, I'm here for a Mizzou Medill um, uh, war <laughs> of words uh, for a, a, a Missouri Northwestern bowl game. That would be fantastic. And I remember that one back in 08. It was a game that Missouri was supposed to win easily. I think they were favored big and and uh, and pulled it out at the end. It was Chase Daniels' last game. Chase Daniels apostrophe s uh, final <laughs> game uh, for for the Tigers. So. Okay, Suichi, terrific catching up with you, and we will do it again soon. Let me, but let me add that uh, you have a tracker, a Missouri recruiting signing day tracker, on the Kansas City Star website right now. So follow all the coverage of Missouri's football signing date on KansasCity.com with Suichi providing the upsets. Okay, Suichi, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis. 
Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Kellis Robinette and Suichi Tirada for stopping by and talking college sports. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we got another deal for you, especially for those who want a deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month until, unless you tell us to cancel. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That's KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? I know I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. Whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday with another episode. <music>